podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield app on Radio City Talk with a bit gazy, John. We've got an actual star. I know. I'm playing it cooler than Dan is. Are you, pl- are you playing it cool? You. Yeah. I mean, I'm around musicians all the time. Oh, you're not, you know. aren't you? You're the union work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, I said to Dan, I was the, uh, I was the, I was the fanboy playing it down, going. He said, not very well, John. No, it was over in about 30 seconds. <laughs> was it? <laughs> We've got Loyal Carnage and we're absolutely made up. We're going to be having a general chat about how things are going in part two. But first and foremost, if you don't know about Loyal, you know, his new album's called Yesterday's Gone. He's the absolute business. He's on tour right now, going around the country. And you planned yourself a very deliberate day off in Liverpool. I love this. I did indeed. <laughs> very important day off it, it does feel like you've, you have sort of I've gone through the whole tour I had a little look before and I went aye aye yeah. this really is like yeah. you've gone we can have two days in Liverpool and you play our cards right <laughs> was the whole plan we rooted the whole tour around this one day I reckon it's why you made the album in the first place yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very true looking for the excuse uh, made up to have him in uh, Dan Morgan and John Gibbons you've obviously heard and yeah we are very excited everyone's giddy bouncing off the walls here in the tower um, but we should also be excited about the Reds, and we're sadly not quite as excited as we like to be about the Reds, uh, because, Dan, they just missed some chances there the other night, and, and we should be four or five, you know, four or five goals away from home excited, that should be the level of excitement, and instead, mm-hmm. it ends up feeling like a bit of a bit of, bit of a stale 1-1. One, 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 one. Yeah, it, it should be four or five, but, you know, there's, there's the contrasting argument, then it, it should be no one as well. Um, there seems to be a, a correlation at the moment of who's to blame with the Slippool side is it the front of the team is it the, the you know the, the back of the team the the defence but I think in all the other nights I, I kind of think it was just one of those nights Neil you know and I think I think you'd have them now and again but we've had games where we, we felt like you know it's on a knife edge recently and I think that plays into the whole narrative of what we're going through as Liverpool supporters at the moment but I think it was just one of those where we could have been playing until now and, and we'd still not put it in the back of the net is that, I mean, it's more, I'll go back to you, Dan, before I go over to John and to Loyal on this, but it's more, is that, is that because that's becoming habit, if you know what I mean? That's my worry. My worry is that you can say a, a certain number of them across the course of a season. We could be playing all night until, etc., etc. I feel as though we might have, you know, we, we could have said that after Burnley. Yeah. My worry is that, you, you know, mm-hmm. you only get to cash that chip so many times across the course of a season before you're actually starting to go, lads, you just need to kick it in the goal more, you know, because if not, what, what what's the rest of this all for? There's, lo- there's loads of arguments, and, and I get that, you know, uh, you, you can look at, Maybe we just need to start gambling more, I think, in in and around the box and trying to put our foot on the end of things and, and going in going in a bit where it hurts sometimes and, and just being a bit more uh, or a bit less carefree in terms of when we're getting these chances and, and making sure. And I think a lot of it's about making sure. Mm-hmm. And you see Mocatino done the other night, he just made sure and it was beyond any doubt. Kicked it dead hard. Kicked it dead hard <laughs> right in the middle of the goal and it, and it goes in. And sometimes, I think sometimes we... We may feel like we're looking for the perfect goal, and and I think that's what we're we're kind of aspiring to at the moment. You know, you see the Klopp, this is football after chance goal against Hoffenheim, and it feels like sometimes we're aspiring to that all the time. Whereas you say it's a case of lads just kicking in the net, it's and a- the rest will sort itself out. We all try to do the analysis stuff, Loyal. I'm sure you do when you're sitting and watching games, and you know, sometimes it does actually just boil down to. Like you, just need, goal. you just need to kick the goal better, yeah. and it's it is no. But on that, you know, you know, Sturridge misses that chance late on when yeah. when he's decided he's got to, you know, he's got to absolutely lace it at that point. But yeah. he doesn't realize he's got so much time. Yeah, yeah, but just I don't know, man. It's just like, like something like that. I mean, just put it on target is all I want from him. That's all I want. I mean, put it on target is the, the likelihood it's going to go in. Um, 
doing some numbers on this the other day, John, and there's not actually enough. It's not as though their keeper comes off there and is it being MOM either of them. It's not as though there's enough saves being made, as Loyal yeah. saying. It's not as though it's it, yeah. it's not like we're going, yeah, lads. When we play Burnley, it wasn't as their keeper he makes a couple of good saves late on. But mm. it's not like keepers are coming off, no. being able to like hold the the yes, these <laughs> yeah. are my points. That's exactly, that's exactly the issue. Is it's not. It's not that, and that's what's stressing me out about it. Because I'm me and Daniel Sturridge are actually kind of mates virtually. Oh, go on. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 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 little name drop. No, no, so I, I can't say anything too much. But no, but, uh, we we chat on Twitter every now and again, like on DM. Um, and I, yeah, I give him a shout. I'll be like, because he scored a brilliant header a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, yo, top header that. And he was like, yeah, come down to game if you want to come down to game. But he needs to be scoring more goals. <laughs> I love <laughs> that he's a mate, but you give him some tough love. Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm firm but fair. You're DMing that as well. I would. I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I should do that though. But no, because because I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I've been a big fan of his for a long time, and I think he's a positive player. And, and I think he's kind of he's he's uh, I guess slipped through the net a little bit as of late after you know being man of the man of the moment with Suarez. A long time ago, but it's like I don't know. I feel like when you get the ball in the box, you got time. But even if you don't have time, hit it first time. Put it on target. It's all I want. It's all I want. Yeah, it's the it's the kind uh, of along the, with DM and storage every now and then. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't answer us. Um, <laughs> it's the kind of scruffy goal, isn't it? I think we're all kind of talking yeah. about is that yeah. if you storage it, if you if you kick it into the ground, it yeah. probably bounces in, and yeah. they're kind of hard ones to save as well. But as you say, everyone wants to everyone wants to absolutely bury. It. I don't know whether storage kind of puts a bit more pressure on himself as well because he's coming off the bench mm-hmm. and he feels like he's he's watched so many missed chances and yeah. he's, he must be looking at it sometimes on the bench thinking, put me on, boss. Yeah. You know, what I mean, I'll put these away, and so when he gets on, maybe. He's just feeling a little bit kind of too too much pressure whereas he, I always think he's a better player when he's relaxed storage I think yeah. he's always he always plays better when he's scored and then he's just like flowing into the game and he's just like strutting around like Having he the place. that's kind of my favourite Daniel Sturridge really of all of them and um, yeah just, just kind of more, more of that really but uh, but as, as we said at the start you know the the strikers are having off days and but what about the you know the, the defence should bail them out like like mm-hmm. the attackers do so when the when the when the defence isn't, isn't great you feel like the, the attackers are bailing them out like at Watford you know we're getting a point because we scored three goals and mm-hmm. the, the strikers are allowed to have a bad day or two really and, and it should be the other guys going well, we'll bail you out today like you did the first early in the season and they're just, they're just not doing it I think team wide across, across a lot of them I think there's a direct con- contrast between what you say John with the scruffy goal mm. and the scruffy win I think yeah. we're crying out to just win a, a game routinely 2-0 and I think it'll do this side so many favours feels like they can only win one way at the moment, and it has yeah. to be this knife edge footy where everything is is relying on it being it's so much effort, yeah. so tense, and so, so anxious. But I think you know, I think it'd do them the world of good if they could just get a two 0 in a game and and see it out for 60, 70 minutes even. Yeah. Do you have to go on stage on Tuesday after watching us miss like twenty chances? Yep. That must be quite hard. <laughs> but like but first, first, first song, and he's just like fucking. <laughs> it's, it's getting impossible. It's, it's really getting impossible. I can't handle it. I mean, I don't know what it is about because it, it is about this idea of scruffy football. Because you're watching other teams, and some some teams at the moment are scoring for fun, like City scoring for fun and whatnot. But there are other teams that are just you know putting in shifts and are not getting pretty wins. And there's been a couple, and Klopp's spoken about it, you know when it has happened and been like, yeah, you know we're getting some scruffy wins. We need that, but that's what we need all the time because we're trying to play this flashy, silky football. But we don't really have as much as we have a fantastic midfield. We don't have a squad for it. We don't really have that you know that aggressive talisman striker who can be getting you those flashy overhead goals you know I mean someone who's just in the box poaching well, it slotting them in on that Firmino in general is he's coming under, under a little bit of scrutiny because of that because yeah. he's, he's the fellow who has to do yeah. the silky stuff and bang him in but he's not aggressive and it's not but he shouldn't be I don't think as a player when he came here he wasn't an out and out striker he was like it was number 10 or was he like just a bit behind that and so 
you're looking at him thinking, okay, you're the one who's going to be the playmaker, going to get the ball from from wide, bring it back in, and then slot it to someone nice through ball. But now he's the one who's expected to get the ball in the box and whip it in. And it's I don't know. I feel like there's someone missing. Well, there's a few people missing from our squad, but I, uh, I, I like. I, th- I think for me, I just needs a goal, and, yeah. and I might be simple, being too simplistic with this, but mm-hmm. there's there's aspects of his his all round game in the last two games that have worried me. I don't think yeah, he's just much more so than just kicking it in the goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think, but he's I think it, off the boil. I think mm-hmm. getting a goal might just spark him into life a little bit, mm-hmm. or that's what I'm hoping anyway. But I think his, his all round game hasn't looked on it. I wonder whether he's maybe carrying a little bit of a niggle somewhere. I don't know, but you'd just be speculating at that. But I think in terms of his fluency, he could do with a run of games with two either side. And now that being mm. uh, Mane and Salah, and I think if Coutinho stays behind them, which he will, you'll see. You might see him a bit more consistent. On the free kick, Dan, it's, firstly, it's not a free kick, and I think that's important to say, and that, you know, as annoyed as I was in the build-up to it, it's just not a free kick, Coutinho wins the ball and he goes, it's so well struck, and it's important to say that as well, and that when I, everyone's been getting on the keeper's back, I think the thing they've not been saying is, my God, he doesn't strike it brilliantly, mm-hmm. and it's flying. Should he save it? I want all from all three of you, one at a time, should he save it? Yes. Should he yes. save it? Absolutely. Yeah. And and this is, but I think it's really put, poor. Get a yeah. hand on it. Yeah, at I least. Really, I, I'm, yeah, that's it. As as Lord says, you know, I mean, if it if it kind of goes through you or whatever, then mm-hmm. you can. I that's know, the pace on the ball. Yeah, that's yeah. the pace on the ball. But he just doesn't seem to get near it, and that's mm. what really worries me. Is and it's not just, top bins either. It's not. Yeah. It's it's really just and kind it's, of. So it's a judgment thing, yeah. you sh- and that's and that's that's quite scary, really. Mm. I think he's got a problem with free kicks. I think you look back to last season, Chelsea and West Ham yeah. at home, mm-hmm. you can see it's two very poor, poor free kicks. Because I don't think he organises well. I don't think he organises well around. I don't think he knows what he wants from yeah. his wall either. So I think he's. I think if there's there's real questions around Carrius anyway, but I think it's free questions, free quick, free kicks and set pieces are definitely a major question I'd ask of him. Does he put himself under pressure, John, in reference to... We've gone out the League Cup and the manager supposedly said, listen, Danny Ward, you're going to play the Cups. Mignolet, you're playing the League and you're playing the Champions League to carry us. Is there an argument if you were Danny Ward would you be knocking on the goalkeeper's door going, well, we've gone out the League Cup. Where, yeah. Any hopes? Or do you think that, that the, keeper, the the manager will just have, no, I've, I made this decision and we're all st- sticking by it? I don't think you can just stick by it like that because if he's not playing well, then mm. you, what are your aspirations for this tournament if it's to go as far as possible and... And you know, enjoy it and make a name for yourself in Europe. Then he's he's got to pick his best team possible. And 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 Carrius just isn't that now. When you're right, I mean, Danny Wood. You know, is he, is he got to wait till January now for the FA Cup, or is he thinking, well, you know, if I'm just going to be waiting around watching yeah. these two lads, yeah, yeah, yeah. then and then let me go somewhere else and play football. I'm not looking at them thinking that they're doing much better. So I've got something exactly. to aspire to. Is looking at them going, well, I'm better than that, or I feel yeah. like I could do better than yeah. that. Because he definitely like, could be yeah, on par, definitely. He'll feel like the best goalie at the club. Yeah. Oh, yo, 100%. Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, it's difficult because now, you, when you do sort of make these these bold decisions, which the manager clearly has, mm-hmm. Dan, he's got he's to come the other side of it. And, and, and he has got to sort of stand up to those decisions and keep them. But then on the other hand, he'll get criticism from, for instance, people like us at times. He's got to stick by it. He's got to stick by his keeper now because he's, he's kind of set that out as his stall. I think in terms of the, the goal that we can see, I think... If the manager sat here, I think he'll systemically say, "Well, that goes back to Emery Chan," and he'll he'll look back at not even the free kick being given away, even though it's not a free kick. He'll say, "Well, maybe the ball into Chan isn't right. Maybe Chan isn't in the right position in the pitch that we want him in." And this comes back to the whole "who's to blame" kind of thing. I think it's a systemic thing. It's not a an individual thing. I think he wants these errors rectifying mm. further up the pitch mm. before it gets to that stage but Chan just needs to cut his losses at some point in that in that oh, yeah. move and you know he gets caught on the ball which happens too much to him but finally wins it back and you think a oh, fair player then he's running to the edge so of the pitch blind. and you think 
you know what? Just just web it now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just just kick it out for a throw in, or just mm-hmm. back to their goalie, or mm-hmm. something. I don't understand what he's trying to do, and I think it's and it's not just him, and that's what worries me. And we're talking about scoring the perfect goal. It's all it's always the perfect pa- game as well. Yeah. Like you could, you're not allowed to just do something a bit agricultural. And you're mm-hms. like, well, you sort of are, especially yeah. if in that much pressure. He was surrounded, and you just think, yeah. oh, I'll just get it anywhere and yeah. start again. But they just they just kind of refuse to do it. And and I think, as you say, I think it's systemic. I don't think it's just like Emery Chan being kind of a bit of an idiot. I think it's like just the way they've, they've all got themselves into this, have this to mindset. Play it out and yeah. be impressive and get a cheer from the crowd. Yeah, every time. Yeah, and it's not true. No. Okay, this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk where most of our advice has been kicked the ball harder uh, throughout most of that part. I mean, you know, say what, say what you like about supporter-led, uh, supporter-led analysis, uh, but we are where we are. Listen, it's great to get loyal and we're going to have a chat to him in a minute about yesterday's gone and everything else that's going on. Uh, and then we've also got Peter Marshall coming up talking about Shankly uh, as this is the anniversary of Shankly's death today uh, as this show goes out. And then we're obviously going to have a big long chat about Liverpool going to Rafa Benitez's Newcastle. We probably need to stop thinking of them as Rafa Benitez's Newcastle. There's still just 11 lads. You just feel there's this spectre in the background of someone organising something against the Reds back in a second It's the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk Neil Atkinson Dan Morgan John Gibbons and Loyal Carner with us to talk about uh, talk about how well things have gone really for you you love Liverpool you love the Reds so it's, it's, it's well documented how much you love the Reds and you know, that's why we're made up to have you here and you're made up to be in Liverpool and John's taking you on a tour in a bit and it's all going off but before we do all that uh, there's yesterday's gone to talk about which you know it's been so well received, rightly so. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great record. You know? I think we, much. I think everyone in the room would agree with that. Uh, I know that Dan absolutely loves it. It's one of the reasons why we've got him in. And you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are now coming out to see you. But it's not an overnight success thing, is it? Because you know, it, it's been a massive journey for the last yeah. five years to lead to this point. You haven't just come from nowhere. You've been working and working and working at this. Yeah, man, just been working hard. I think it's also just about we've been having fun with it and kind of you know always making sure that our integrity, my integrity, was the was the most important part. So it's been it's yeah, we haven't cut any corners or tried to do anything overnight because I don't think that's the best way to do it. You know, everything that we look back on now especially with this album you know that I've made is that yeah I trust it you know, and it, and it fully represents me which I think is an important thing the, the one thing I, I took from it when I first started hearing it was how personal it is mm-hmm. and it's sort of it kind of grips you and, yeah. and brings you into it and you almost kind of feel part of it um, and it's such a unique record in that sense and you kind of get to know you and your family dynamic a lot more from it I mean was that what you set out to do with it? Were you just completely honest and raw in, in I, I guess it? so. I mean, my mum my and my dad used to make music and we used to listen to a lot of music in the house and I kind of was the one who used to go off and get the hip-hop but they used to bring me, you know, like David Bowie or Leonard Cohen or yeah. Bob Dylan or whatnot and that's all, you know, storytelling, you know, and it's all very honest and very personal and I think so when I started listening to music, that's how I heard music and, I, you know, my family have always been very open with each other so when I started putting it down on paper, I was just kind of doing what came natural. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy to think I kind of how far it's gone because I chat to people after shows and they go, you know, they, they, they talk to me about things that I kind of forget that they know. And I go, how do you know about that? How do you know about my mum did that? And so, yeah. of course, because I've written about it and you've been listening <laughs> to it. So yeah, it's cool, man. I, I like it. I, I didn't think as many people were going to hear it at, at, at first. Is that why when, you, when you're touring the record and uh, having people come with you it feels like it's a real acceptance of you it's not just an acceptance of this other thing but yeah. you've let them into your yeah, into yeah, your yeah. life into your world and now they've come back and they're going yeah, we, yeah. We, 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 we can come with you on this yeah which I think is a really special thing not something I was expecting but I think it makes it all the more important I think that's why touring for us is uh, one of the most important parts because we, you know you get to kind of finish the conversation that you started with the record so we give them this album they listen to it and they have all these questions and whatnot and then to see them play the show and then to bump into someone when they're going to get food afterwards or whatnot outside the venue is the most important part because you're saying you know this is what we spoke about kind of without talking let's actually have yeah. a conversation about it. let's finish this and kind of give you some closure on this chapter of this book or whatever 
Definitely. I think it's the, the, the vulnerability as well. It, it kind of really strikes me because I think a lot of a lot of hip hop's honest and it's about people's lives. Yeah. But I think a lot of rappers are kind of reluctant to show kind of, I don't know, real sadness and real kind of hard times, really. Mm. I mean, they, they talk about things being tough and, and, yeah. and maybe times where, you know, they haven't had a lot of money or whatever. But you're kind of much deeper than that, really. You're talking about kind of real kind mm. of sadness. Uh, yeah. I say, and I think that's what people can kind of reflect and, on and kind of respond to even more, I think. I think so. I mean, I guess it's, yeah, really, there's a line from Common a long time ago. I can't remember what album it's off. Maybe it's off an album called Beat. But it's like, uh, you know... Uh, when I'm my weakest is when I'm really being strong and I think that's what my dad used to say to me when I was younger and it's very important and I think it is of the utmost importance you know when you're seeming to be weak or vulnerable that's really when you're being your bravest I guess and if that's the message I can push out then that's yeah all I probably need to do the tour's going really well yeah it's uh, wicked loads of people coming and oh, loads yeah. of people having a great time yeah yeah indeed um <laughs> I want to talk about the football shirt thing because it's absolutely yeah. wild. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is insane. We ended up in the, yeah, all over the news, trending on Twitter. Yeah, wasn't expecting it. So you are, I'll just put it for the people who haven't seen, haven't heard yes. about it. You are basically exchanging guest list, uh, guest list spots for quality, large size. This is important because yeah. you want to be able to wear yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> quality, large size, retro footy shirt. That's yeah. what's happening now. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And I've got so many on the way, man. This is, this is the <laughs> what second, have you got? Second day. I mean, I've got some wicked ones. I've got um, Gerard's uh, debut uh, kit. Not like the one he wore, but that, that, that kit. I can't remember what year it yeah, was. 98, yeah, 98, I think. Yeah, yeah. the one, yeah. Which obviously is not a lot. I think he was wearing a long sleeve on the debut, but it's a short sleeve. But it's like, that's what I've been looking for for a long time. And they're pricey. What's um, 28? Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I've got, um, there's like a, like the, the alternative uh, England final kit from 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah, like some serious stuff. Already I've been given a, a Swedish kit. So it started with this guy um, in Dublin who was like, yo, I don't have any tickets to your Dublin show, but I've got a 1990 home Swedish kit. I was like, yeah, why not? So I was like, yeah, cool, you, you can come. So I uh, tweeted it out, but then I was also like, you know, anyone else trying to get tickets, this is how you get tickets. And then just, I've been inundated ever since. I love how you like, your standards are high on yeah. it though as well. Like, there was so a high. guy who you were like, I'm not sure that's real. I need yeah. to see the label. Oh yeah, that, that um, Ajax one. Yeah, that looked fake. Because <laughs> there was no need hidden the label. I was like, what's the point of hiding the label? I know you're up to. But yeah, no, they're, they're, I've been offered loads of different kits. Obviously I've been offered a couple of Everton kits. Said no. <laughs> is that really yeah, you're yeah, drawing a line there yeah I, no, I like that no, no Everton no Chelsea no United no nothing just because uh, I literally all I really wanted was international kits but there's been a few kind of ones that have come from Europe like PSG Bayern Munich etc which have been wicked but yeah UK is really Palace for my mum and Liverpool for me that's it so um I haven't got any retro kits and to be honest I haven't been a large since I was about 15 <laughs> to be honest mate but uh <laughs> I've brought this from the office. This is an Anfield wrap. Oh, yes. Bobby Firmino. No way. Shit. And I'm just, is this, could this get me in tomorrow night? That'll that get, that get you, that'll get you plus 10. <laughs> <laughs> what a top. So that, that is for you. Thank you ever so much. No, you're more than welcome. I, wicked, wicked top. Try not to swear. Uh, it's done a very good job. Unlike some, uh, there is. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I tell you what, they're not one for the listeners, that one. Uh, but everyone else had a nice time. Uh, there is a, um, a thing around this. Cause I'm, I am intrigued. You know, you 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 are doing shows at, at times, unfortunately, probably while Liverpool are playing. Yeah. Other times you're having to think around games and sort of plan around games. It's interesting. Yeah. You're playing Leeds on, you play Leeds doors for Leeds at seven o'clock, but mm -hmm. you're obviously going to be watching Liverpool, Newcastle, or Newcastle, Liverpool yes, first. It, do you ever actually go out and think, I wish Liverpool had just won there? It's, yeah. it's, it's done yeah. in this. Yeah, loads of times. I mean, I can't remember what it was. I think it was for. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't tell what game it was. I went to see, I was playing with a friend of mine called Tom Mish. He had a show in um, Bussy Building in Peckham in London. And I was planning on going to watch the game. I'm pretty sure it was um, Europa final. Yeah. And I go to watch it, I have my kit on. Um, Owen on the back. 
I won't talk about her now. But like, <laughs> I went, went to watch it, watch, watching it literally backstage, but literally behind the stage, we lost. And I found out about it on stage. So I went out like literally five minutes before the end of the game because I had to play my song. And when I finished my song, some guy was like, yeah, you got lost. I was like, oh, it's wicked. Cheers. Glad you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go from there on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heartbreak. On the, you could talk about, you know, the, the, the album is dead personal and, mm-hmm. you know, all uh, the, the, the fact that you, you do put so much of yourself and your family in there, but simultaneously you're saying that people are coming and talking to you about it. Yeah. Got, you've got their attention. Yeah. Is that helping you with the idea of the next one? Are you already thinking yeah. about the next one? Are you working I mean, on yeah, stuff? I am. I mean, I'm always working on music. I, I kind of, we've been touring so much. We've been, I guess, been touring. I haven't been out for like seven months now, eight months. We've been touring ever since it came out. So working on the road is difficult, but what's good about it is I think is the conversation has been had. You know, so I'm starting to understand, you know, what people like, what they don't like, what I what I enjoy performing, what I, you know, what bits I feel like, you know, could have been better next time. But yeah, I'm already working on stuff. I think I've grown up a little bit since. So hopefully the next one will be a bit more mature. But I think it'll be, you know, an evolution of the same. You know, it's the same things, but just a bit older. You know, and I've got to play a mortgage and, you know, sort out my stuff like that. So it's just the next bit of being old and just boring. Yeah. <laughs> bit of admin of filling forms in and that. Literally, literally, yeah, just life admin. That's what the next one's about. Yeah, yeah tax yeah. returners. <laughs> tax brackets and those boring bits. I don't know, I kind of woke you know, we're going to talk to you a bit about Glastonbury because we were yeah. talking about that yeah, all the yeah, time yeah. while we were waiting and I was saying how, um, you know, I've, I've known you for a while, I've seen you a couple of times playing Liverpool, mm. but it seemed to be the Glastonbury performance. It went from a few of my mates knew who Locarno was to suddenly all my mates knew who yeah. Locarno was. Yeah. And did it feel like that for you as well? Yeah, it was weird, man. I think, do you know what it was when, so obviously I brought my mum out uh, for the end of that that set at Glastonbury and she got a massive cheer and I think it was at that moment that I realised the support that we had and the knowledge that people had of our story of my story yeah. and then the people who you know maybe didn't know me the support that they were giving just from watching the show and I, yeah, I guess obviously it was televised and then it, it went out on, on, on the internet and stuff and there was a lot of talk about it but yeah it was it was special just because it was yeah it was the the kind of the, the family feeling of being surrounded by people who are kind of thinking about the same things that you're thinking about and have the same outlook on life that you do yeah it was special yeah, I mean the Glastonbury set. I was there, and and I, I I've said yeah, right. to, to Ben already that I got really upset, and like really welled up at the end yeah, of the man. gig, and then it was just, but it wasn't just me. It was everyone in yeah. there, and it was everyone felt it. It was really a moment kind of thing, and it was you come out of it feeling like you just you just witnessed something <laughs> or you've been part of. But something. That came across on the telly as well, yeah. which doesn't always happen. Like yeah. sometimes you can have a collective moment, and then it kind of doesn't come across. Yeah, I think that really did, and it's amazing kind of what artists down the years have had their mm. kind of glastony moment that's mm. really kind of propelled I thought it? it was really cool as well at the stage I thought it was basically embodied like a living room yeah. or the lounge yeah, yeah, and that yeah. makes it again feel more personal and, and then you know, you're sat there while yeah. the show's going on it's good yeah the idea behind that was really just that you know we, we, we used to play such small venues and now yeah. we're getting a bit bigger so you know I'm, I'm, I'm playing in these big these massive venues I'm playing in like a 5,000 capacity place in, in London and so the only way to still people I still wanted people to feel like they were kind of part of something intimate and yeah. I think you know putting them inside my home is kind of the mo- as, as intimate as it gets. Yeah. Know? So that was the plan. So, you know, you're saying you're playing these massive venues. Yeah. The bit of on the verge of conquering the world, but wanting to enjoy this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. P- pretty much, man. I'm, I'm a long way from conquering the world, but it is strange. It's kind of, I'm actually really starting to enjoy it. You know, for a bit, it was, you know, trying to get an album done and trying to also play shows. But now the album's out and I, and I, and I, and I believe in it and I, I respect it. Even if no one else liked it, I really liked it. And it just so happens other people like it too. But I think now has really been the time for us to just shoot our shot and enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? And give it a go. Go for goal. 
I can't, can't <laughs> ask for any more than that. No, and no, any man. one of a number of sentences. Listen, thank you so much for coming in. We're going to talk more after the break Bless about it. what I'm going to talk to Peter Marshall about. Bill Shankly, but then we're all going to have a chat about the game at Newcastle on Sunday. That lawyer's going to watch in Leeds, which to me feels like a pretty hellish combination, but we'll come, back, <laughs> we'll come on to that in a bit. Uh, we, this is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. I think that's my obligatory dig at Leeds in for the week. See you in a minute. <laughs> It's the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson with you. Uh, got Dan Morgan, Loyal Carner, and John Gibbons with you. But earlier today, I spoke to Peter Marshall about Shankly. It's the anniversary of his death, and this is what we talked about. Joined now by Peter Marshall. And Peter, there is, there's the there's the mythology that there is around around Bill Shankly, and you know I think that that's something which at times it almost clouds the real figure really, and it also sort of clouds the the, the scope of the achievements, the reduction towards sort of just the the one liners, the jokes. And also the idea that everything that he did was quite simple and straightforward and not something which was firstly a huge job of work, but also secondly, something which needed constant renewal. And I think that that, because we, we now hear so much of what he was like from the from the point of view of people who played played for him, we sort of lose that little bit that, that's behind the glass, don't we, in some way? Yeah, I mean, at heart, he was a man of enormous integrity and industry, and it was all hard work. And of course, there were the one-liners, you know, uh, and people talk about those because they're very, very funny. He was a witty man, but he worked incredibly hard uh, and he had enormous honesty and uh, he, he was a, a remarkable figure. I mean, you don't, you don't get the myth without reality behind it. It's got to be built on something and it was built on a lot with, with Bill Shankly, I think. And it's, it's the journey as well, which again is, I think people sort of presume that I mean, it's a double-edged sword. Firstly, people presume that Liverpool had had no success before Shankly turned up, whereas that's patently ridiculous. Liverpool had won a number of league titles by that point. The last one had been in 1947, uh, which was one of the things that kept Liverpool completely relevant as a football club and one of the reasons why, why Shankly might have wanted to come. There's that on the one hand, but on the other hand, we were a sleeping giant. It was a languishing in Division 2, and it was all about sort of having to build, build in that sort of most, almost... Uh, boring way if you know what I mean build up from the ground up in terms of becoming good it wasn't like it, he just clicked his fingers and suddenly Liverpool were much better at football that's right but it was still quick I mean it, you know it wasn't it wasn't instantaneous by any means but it was still quick I mean he did it in what four, five years yeah. he, from uh, from arrival less than five years from, from arrival to win to win the league and it was remarkable I mean to, to, th- there was always the sense of up from up from after the first season when I I don't remember the first season I remember from 61 onwards there was always that sense of progress Liverpool have been coming third every season in the in the second division third and fourth and and it, and it it must have been incredibly frustrating for those years but but by 61 we were third again and there was a feeling there was progress. He tried to do it next year, and he did. You know, he he did it, and then remarkably, we're in the we're in the first division, and it got better and better. You know, he 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 secured our place in the first division in the first season, and then to go and win it and to win it the way we did, and again, it was it was winning in a very sort of honest way. It wasn't the, I mean, we weren't the glamour side by any means. You know, we were. It was built on <laughs> it was built on defence basically, but with a very, very exciting attack as well. But it was all done methodically, but progressively, and there was a process there you could, you know, you could hope for the end of it. But then to realise the end was just wonderful. I mean, it was it was the first time, really, for, for people of my generation and for, well, for a lot of people, really. It was Liverpool were on their way then, you know, and then, then into Europe and then onwards and upwards and then to hand over to, to Paisley, even though he didn't really want to hand over, he, he, he did in the end. And... Uh, well, it was great. I, I have a, a massive sort of 
everyone focuses on the 65 final, but I've got a massive, just almost, we, we had a question on one of the other shows the other week, which is what historical event would you love to have been at? And I've got this big thing about the idea of that 64 victory over Arsenal that secures the title uh, in terms of being the sort of the capping of that first phase of all that hard work. You know, I, that's the thing that's in my mind when I think about that, that, that Liverpool era, the idea that, you know, the swaying of the cop and all of that sort of stuff, but more that, that was the end of that journey and the way to do it with a, you know, winning five nil, I think a penalty was saved. It, it had all the uh, penalty was saved by Tommy Lawrence at one end and was saved by, uh, by I think it's Jim Fernell at the other end that it just had all the, all the drama of that and to win the league in that manner to, to secure it with three, four games to go. I have not won it since 47. I mean, it must've been quite the party. Oh, it was, it was just glorious. I mean, that you're right. That was just the most wonderful day. To, to, and we did it. You know, at the end of that season, we've been we've been up there at the, near the top, but we broke away just over Easter. Uh, there were the games against United and Tottenham over Easter. I remember that. And then to get the Arsenal game and the way it went, and it was a it was a sunny day as well. It was just it was a it was a fantastic day. And even the the trophy, it wasn't the real trophy. They didn't have the real trophy there because. Everton wouldn't hand it over at the time. They had to wait till the end of the season. <laughs> this, is, this is true, you know. So somebody came out with it from the crowd. They, they actually presented. You've probably seen the replica yep. trophy. This, I think, it was something from a stair banister or something. And it just looked great. And there's something that was better than having the real trophy in a way. Down the years, it's become better. And not the time it was too, because you think, well, this is this is us. You know, this is the fans and the club and the team and Shankly all together and. The achievement was uh, what a remarkable achievement at that point. And then the next season, going to win the cup as well, which was which was the trophy at the time. I think the cup, even bigger than the league in a way, because we'd never won it. But that day at Anfield in '64, well, I wasn't even 11 years old at the time. You know, and that was you can imagine. But yeah. it was it was great. No matter how old you were, it was a great day, great team. And to score five when you're clinching the league title is is, is pretty good. I, I want to talk about Liverpool. You mentioned the cup there in '65, and then in '66, Liverpool win the title again. And then I want to talk about the, 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 what we can call the fallow spell. Really, I mean, there's lots of people who tro- trot out um, again the idea of one line as Shankly's supposedly Shankly's line that Liverpool Football Club exists to win trophies. And yet, I think we we uh, there is for the you know for for, for the for a lot of people this idea that it was it was some sort of run of constant unbroken success. And yet, from '66 to '72. It's fair to say, Toyland's the wrong word, because Liverpool were always there or thereabouts, it's fair to say. But it just couldn't quite happen for them, could it? And that's, you know, it must have been hugely frustrating uh, for those sorts of six, seven seasons where it just... Liverpool were playing good stuff, there was decent players, they were they were all tidy, they were never poor, they were never completely out the running, but it was just never, the, the, it was just never quite there, was it? That's exactly right. I mean, yeah, but it wasn't like it would be today. You know, today you've got to win something every season or every two seasons or you're in real trouble and it's Wenger out or whatever, you know. Uh, but it, it wasn't like, I mean, we, we were always ar- around sort of success, about to be successful. And there were attempts made. I mean, he bought Alan Evans. That didn't work. There were a few things that didn't work. Uh, but, you know, there was there was never any suggestion that Shanky should, should lose his job or anything. You know, he always thought it was going to happen. And it happened just in time, but basically in the end, you know, he got he got Keegan, and uh, and that was it. Things 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 were things were won again, and the second great great wave began. So uh, yeah, but but you know, you, you you didn't win the league every season. Every season, it wasn't the same league like these in the, yeah. the Premier League. You had the same teams winning over and over again. 
well, back in the 60s and earlier 70s, until Liverpool started taking over and winning everything, we'd have different chances. <laughs> so we ruined it. <laughs> yeah, I think Liverpool, Liverpool broke that mould, unfortunately, in, in lots of ways. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, he, he was always... He was always a very, very good manager. There was always success around the corner. You know, people didn't lose faith. I think that's uh, again the idea of it's back to the, the enjoying the process as well. And I think that's something which is difficult, it becomes harder and harder to do when it feels as though every game. And, and I think that that you know the forty-two game season, the fact that there isn't a top four, the fact that there isn't a that there isn't there's there's a different there's pressures, but there's different sets of pressures. I think that that's again something that we can we, we can sort of lose in the mists in terms of being able to enjoy the football for the act of going to the football and, and going to go and see a good football team and see them play play well is something which I think has become that now there has to be some sort of we've got to be on a constant journey towards end product whereas being able to think well there is something just around the corner it will break it will come again is something which allows Shankly to try different things and have a little look at different options doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and you know he'd had that base of success at the beginning as well. There was the progress and then the results. So people thought, well, you know, he, he can do it. He surely can do it. And he, you know, people liked Shanky because he was a he was a good man. You know, he he was a man of great integrity. And um, you know, you, you you can't buy that. You have to earn that. And he earned it a thousand times over. You know, I'm, I think Klopp's a man of integrity as well. If you want to compare him to the the, the, the present, I mean, you, you you can see that, and that's why you know. But but Shanky was a was a was a one off obviously. I mean, and uh, he was great for the club and wonderful for the city. And you know, I think even Evertonians, well, certainly Evertonians know that too. He was a he was a fantastic figure. Okay, uh, always good to speak to Peter Marshall uh, on this, uh, well, in general, but uh, on this day as well to talk about uh, Bill Shankly. Uh, there's lots and lots of stuff around uh, on the anniversary of his death. You can see it all over the place. Just wants to have our little bit of a say as well. And now we're going to get back and do the thing that I'd, I'd like to think at least Bill Shankly would have wanted us to do, which is to have a good long think about Sunday's game and how much we're going to all enjoy ourselves as Liverpool go to Newcastle, uh, coming up against Rafa Benitez's crew, uh, and go from there, really, see how they can do in what will be a difficult, difficult test. Uh, I'll be back in a second talking to everybody else. Great to speak to Peter. Uh, loads of fantastic stuff uh, on the Anfield wrap. There's a really good video, uh, which is our wrap-up this week, which uh, deals with Shankly and all that sort of stuff as well. And uh, there's written stuff and everything that you need on the Anfield wrap website and other people as well, frankly. You know, it's not as though there's a dearth of Shankly material out there, though obviously we would like you to read and l- watch and listen to all of ours uh, in an ideal world. Uh, also this week, we've got Loyal with us and we also, are on, on our Rider podcast, our music show this week, we had Ghost Poet on as well. Uh, and that was really, really good. And in That's general, good. all the, yeah, yeah, he's the business. Um, talk mostly about Margate, to be honest with you, mate, but it's one yeah. of them. He's a good red. Um, <laughs> we like him. It's uh, loads of great stuff this week on the player, the Anfieldapp.com forward slash subscribe, five pounds a month for all your football and needs, really. It's 14, 15 shows a week, although we will cut it back a tiny bit during the international break. What with us not wanting to go mad? But you've got everything that you need there right the way across the board and all the all the writing as well on the website, uh, all of my post match stuff and, and everything that you'd want to get your teeth into. Um, and one of the things that we've done is we've done a thorough team talk after the Jurgen Klopp's press conference. But before we focus on the the current Liverpool manager, let's speak about the former Liverpool manager. Rafa Benitez is in my head. I'm not going to lie to you. He's absolutely in my head with this one. I was he for you, loyal? What a man! What a hero! I mean, I, I love Rafa Benitez, and I, I yeah, I'm. I've actually, you know, I've, I've never had too much of a, a problem with, with Newcastle, but I am. I'm not. I don't want to say I'm worried about it, but he's in my head, and I reckon he'd, he'd be in probably in Klopp's head a little bit because you know he's a hero down these sides. I. I just think he's 
it's because he's so clever, and yeah. I think that's the that's what gets me down. He's he's, mm-hmm. he's he's clever. He's he's got a, he's had a week to pull a plan together. A week on the training ground, we've gone to Moscow and come yeah. back. He's yeah. looked at all the tapes. Yeah. We know what we're getting. We're getting. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a well organized Newcastle. Yeah. We know what we're getting, but I think we need to to set the narrative with this one. I think what we know about Rafford is he'll try and drag us into a tactical dogfight, mm-hmm. and what we know about Newcastle this season is they try and get momentum up in games. So if they can build momentum in a game and feel like they're in a game then they'll very much, you know, they'll, they'll look to, to try and drag us down into that fight and and, and do all the Rafa Benitez things that we've seen down the years, you know, the, the cutting off a of passing lanes, the the tactical man management, the shape of his team. So I think it's massive Liverpool get a fast start in this game and I know we can talk about wanting to be more calm in situations, but I think if Liverpool can get a quick start in this game and get a couple of goals ahead early on, I think we we won't look back because as much as it, as it's a Benitez team, it's it's got to be remembered they're not a very good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think mm-hmm. I think Dan's completely right on that. You know, you can we can worry about Rafa. Look, I'm, I think Rafa's well capable of setting up a team to frustrate Liverpool. And you look at our problems at the moment. You look at our deficiencies, and, and it, a lot of it points to the fact that you know what Rafa's able to do in terms of frustrate, in terms of hit on the break, in terms of stay in the game and, and getting a goal. But as Dan says, he, he, needs, he still needs the players to do it. He can't go out there and kick it. And, and they're not great, you know, in terms of what he didn't do enough over the summer and they've managed to do okay. But that's testament to, to, to a lot of things. But they, they still... You know, they're still not great. And, and look, Rafa's in our heads because we know how good he is. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, Sadio Mane's not bouncing around now worrying about Rafa Benitez, you know what I mean? He's just thinking, just <laughs> just, just throw them on, I'll rinse them. Do you know definitely, what I mean? Definitely not. <laughs> it, I think that's fair. I think all of that is fair. But it is it is going to be, it feels, there's a bit too much on it for me, mm-hmm. Loyal, in that, you know, we needed the win last week against Leicester. Let's dead be honest about this. United have got Crystal Palace at home at 3pm on Saturday, three yeah. points. Yeah. One of City or Chelsea is likely to take three points, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That could be a draw, but, you know, put that to one side. Yeah. My thing is, Spurs go to Huddersfield. You're backing them. Three yeah. points. If we, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to lose the pace. We don't want to be looking behind, up, yeah. the table. Yeah, well, completely. I think that's the thing is, you don't want it to already become a chase and it's already starting to become that. And it's not needed for us because we've been having fixtures that we should be winning comfortably or at least, you know, getting one goal, seeing them out, one nils. But yeah, the Leicester game, I was, yeah, I was stressed out about, man. Because it was, I tell you what, I watched the Spurs game first um, beforehand. And I was like, look, watching it thinking, oh, it'd be so nice to just, you know, to be able to follow a team that just can just see out a game, get two goals and see out a game. And obviously they, they struggled with it also. But then I watched our game, we got two goals. And I was like, that's it. We've done it. And I thought maybe, maybe, this, was, maybe this was a fresh start for us. We were looking strong, composed, passionate together when players were scoring and then yeah it all kind of fell apart again and I'm just I, I don't know I don't know what it is about it that's it's just a lack of I guess like a lack of looking at the finish line they kind of think oh, okay cool it's 70 minutes done we're done we're not done that is the other thing that you're saying if you're Benitez he came a couple of seasons ago when they were last up they, we, we went 2-0 up they, they got back to 2-2 Dan that's my other thing mm-hmm. is that the, let's not think that Benitez has only got one plan he's likely to have two or three but one of the things I'd be saying if I was an opposition manager at the minute is you're always still in this. Yeah, you, th- th- they won't kill you off. But that's the that's the, that is the most awful thing about it because that is what we're lacking. Is that it, you want sides to come and go? Okay, well, if they get two goals, and it seemed to be true that if we get two goals, that's it. You're in trouble. We get three goals, then we're just going to keep going. Like if City get two three goals at the moment, that's it. Do you know what I mean, I'll, what I'll go out on a limb here. I think if we get if we get two up against these, I don't think they're coming back, Neil. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I just I don't think they're good enough. I think Benitez can have all his plans he wants, but mm-hmm. you know if they're knocking around with. Iosi Perez or whoever the front and we're two up after 20 minutes I, I don't think there's any way back for and that's why I think a fast start's vital yeah but, uh, uh, yeah. 
But the, but less 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 like, there, I, I was going to say you've absolutely just laced <laughs> Iosi. <laughs> and when when Iosi <laughs> scores to make it two two, and it takes off a thing with your face on Morgan. Over that but, but Leicester did what 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 Lewis just said in terms of they they never gave up a two 0 mm-hmm. and you fancy I mean I mean Leicester are a, a bit of a pain to play against generally but you, you still suspect that if that had been Chelsea or that had been Man City they're going oh yeah. sorry well damage limitation now whereas against Liverpool everyone always feels they did the win with a chance yeah. and yeah. I think that's that's going to be a problem with us until we can prove that that's not the case yeah. and and we're quite a bit away from that now so. You know, goes back to what we say at the top, which was how much effort Liverpool need to put in to win a football game. Just seems to be like two, three, four times as much as, yeah. as our rivals. Really, you know, we don't seem to be a team who can stay in third gear, get you easy one, two nil, and, and kind of go home. And we're like, you know, full throttle. It's 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 intense football. It's stressful, and you know, and then, and then maybe maybe we get out of it with the three two, and we all you know. Not another six months of our lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I could just do without it. Uh, as I say, as I, say, I will maintain to my grave that Liverpool's win against Leicester weekend was the greatest win in our history. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, but when it finished, I was, I was, I was on the ceiling. Um, loyal to Sturridge or not Sturridge? He's my mate. <laughs> so you, uh, to storage, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm got the ruthlessness to be a football no, manager no, with that attitude. No, do you know what? Do you know what it is? You know what it is? I like. Oh, I, I'm a big fan of him, but I, 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 I feel like at, at the moment I, I'm not really. You know, he's not being clinical enough when he's coming on. He's, he's shown a few moments of brilliance, but I don't think that you know the current form, the current like structure of the team is suiting him. You know, I don't know why it is, and I don't know why he's not clinical when he's getting those chances because he was for a little while. You know, giving the ball. You know what? weren't guaranteed a goal. We had it on his left foot. That's it. You know, he's, he's putting it on target, and that's all I wanted from him. But he's, he's not even doing that. I I hardly think he's becoming the player you don't bring on when you're chasing a goal. Yeah, that makes sense. I think. Yeah. I, I think the game, the, the the situation he comes on against Leicester, where mm. everyone's panicking and no one's finding space, and Liverpool need to just buy themselves a minute in a game. I thought he was he was the perfect sub, and he proved that. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I think when he he comes on, when we're needing a goal and we're chasing a goal, it sort of all then becomes centered around him and. In certain situations like that, when when defenses are trying to uh, stay compact and not let us in, I don't think he finds those little half of spaces that he will when they're committing and they're coming forward. And the pill just needs a foot off the gas, which I think he's brilliant at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good because he he's composing. He has been he, like not so much in terms of maybe in front of goal, but he is a presence. Do you know what I mean he's a big player and he's you know play that other players but respect on that, John? I'd... I'd quite like to find a place for Milner this weekend for a similar reason. Mm-hmm. The idea of composure, the yeah. idea of someone who can just pace it a little bit. We're lacking that. Would you look to do that, John? Do you think it's possible, or do you think it's just? Do you think I'm ending up? I'm ending up sort of dragging all over the place where maybe we just want to put our best eleven footballers on the pitch. I mean, I mean, if you want to argue that you might be in the best eleven, I mean, that's not kind of a bad shot at the moment. And with with kind of the way the the midfield is ahead of Henderson have played, I think Henderson's had two really good games on the bounce, and I think that's mm. a real positive because he was he looked like he was struggling a little bit, but ahead of them, look, Emre has been been hot and cold this season. When Alden doesn't travel well anyway, I, I was speaking to a Newcastle fan for one of their podcasts earlier in the week, and apparently he's going to get a tough reception up there because of the way he left and things like that, which surprised me a little bit. But you know, it's up to them in it, it's their ground, and so um, <laughs> and so you know, you might be thinking, well, we'll maybe throw Milner in there alongside Coutinho, maybe that's a kind of a, a a kind of safer bet, especially with with Phil looking to get forward so much. 
I, I wonder on this one. Um, it's difficult. I just sort of wonder if you say, and I'll ask each of you in question in turn, Dan, start with you. Do you just sort of say, listen, we've committed, we've pl- we planned it all out and we've committed to Coutinho in behind, that front three, with Firmino, with Mane, with Salah, and you just do that for this one because the last, it's not like there's another game coming, there's the international break, you just say, we're just going to do that for this one and then we're going to look at it again. Yeah, I think, but I think he sees that as his best side. Or is, I think that, that front four dynamic, I think he will try and, crowbar into every 11 going forward because I think every every game's becoming more and more important in its own context but I think what we've seen is a few times where we've sat around doing podcasts and we've said well you know we expect this change or that change and we're unchanged and I think I, I think the, the squad is better and it's better equipped for the Christmas period but I think at the moment he's just playing lads if he can get them on the pitch and his best lads if he can get them on the pitch would you just go with them and say you're my best lads? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I'm interested to see how Salah plays because I like Salah. I think he has been wicked, but I still don't think he's that dangerous in front of goal. And I, he kind of comes out on the, on the right-hand side trying to open his body up and he's not opening up enough and he's just kind of slotting into the middle of the goal. So mm-hmm. I think there's still stuff to prove from him because I reckon if he can start sorting out his finishing, he can then be on par with Coutinho almost. It, it's mad how many scored while simultaneously being so wasteful. That's the thing, because people talk about, oh, he keeps going, guys, you must be so happy. But I am. But you watch the game, you should be starting away free a game. No, he's, it's it's back to the chances thing, John. And that yeah. you do, We have said, and I think I'm, I don't want it to be one of those seasons where you keep saying it, and I remember one of them within recent memory, where you, you 11, 12, where you keep saying, someone's going to get a hiding soon, someone's yeah. going to get a hiding soon, and then the hiding never comes. But yeah. I'm sort of looking at this, and at the minute, I'm sort of of the view, not as only is someone going to get a hat-trick, but Salah, possibly Firmino, uh, Mane, someone's going to bang a hat-trick soon. That's the other thing. Someone is going to suddenly cut loose, and, and everyone's going to go, where's that come from? Bang, yeah. there you go. And hopefully relax them, and you feel like they can relax each other, I don't think it's a coincidence how many times they've all scored this season because yeah. I think one of them gets one of them like, oh right you know you know my mates done one it's it, it is possible kind of thing and I think they they spared each other on really so I'm I'm hopeful for that I'm I'm really positive about Sunday I think something about it seemed like a big pitch and I think we've done well there it feels like we've got a good record there and and when we've played well we've we've really kind of turned it on some mm. some big scores there and I fancy another one on Sunday as long as they get it right and I'd go that from four again definitely and start worrying about changing it after the international break. Okay, uh, that has been the Anfield Wrap this week. Thank you very much to Loyal for coming in and talking to us, to Dan, to John, Peter Marshall as well over the phone. It's been an absolute belt to Liverpool. Go to Newcastle, last one of these banker games. It's been frustrating, it's been stuttering. Liverpool, just do the decent thing, eh? Let's just get it over the line. Let's get three more points and then we can all look at where we are when we come up against Man United in a fortnight. See you in a bit. Sports Social Podcast Network.